Age of Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D.E. Morris. A full cast production, narrated by Greg King. It took two days to reach the lands where Badru lived. Where they could have simply been there in a matter of moments before, Luela and Cavalon were now slowed down by the addition of two new companions, one of which could not travel through fire, and left them having to fly south instead. Not entirely unlike the area Cavalon came from, it was hot and the air felt sticky. A drastic change from Mei Xing's homeland. The trees were tall and thick, heavy with fruit and flowers of different shapes, sizes, and textures. Birds called from unseen places, exotic voices Luela had never heard before. If searching for Mei Xing had not already proven as much, Luela was beginning to realize how much bigger the world was than she had ever imagined. Finding Badru, the elemental dragon of fire, was not as big of an ordeal as was expected. In these lands, the dragons were regarded as the king of the beasts. They were respected and even worshipped. Upon hearing as much in one of the villages, Mei Xing clucked her tongue and tried to set the poor shopkeeper straight. They would have likely still been there had Cavalon and the Suzu not grabbed her and dragged her away. After Luela was given precise directions to the place Badru lived, they set out to find him. Their travels took them through wet and steamy jungles, walking over soft mossy grounds where the forests were too dense to allow flying. Misuzu was in heaven, a monkey swinging from tree to tree, screeching her enjoyment, and occasionally returning with more directions. Luela walked beside Mei Xing, her sleeves rolled up, and the legs of her trousers hiked up above her knees without shame. It was too muggy to be embarrassed about showing her legs. Tell me about Misuzu. She told us some about what she is and what she can do, but I am still curious. Can she change into anything? Anything that is living, said Mei Xing, though most of her hair was pulled back into a knot. Strands of black clung to her face and neck like a second skin. She can only speak to us when she is in her human form, or that of the feline. This is because they are her true forms. Luela looked up, watching the little spider monkey sail through the air and fall, catching a branch at the last minute. She smiled, amused. What about her other forms? Like now, could she speak with another monkey if she came upon one? She could. Mei Xing wiped the sweat from her brow with the back of her hand. I believe she has, and that is why she keeps coming back to throw things at us to get us going in a different direction. Ahead of them, Cavalon smirked. <laughs> she reminds me a lot of you when you were younger, Mei. This made Mei Xing beam. Thank you, Cavalon. That is a wonderful compliment. It is true. I am not as playful, perhaps, as I used to be. Cavalon turned to walk backward for a moment, grinning in a way that was impossible for the two women not to smile back. You're still just as beautiful. You are still the charmer. Have you married again? Or shall I finally take you all for myself? 
His only answer was a wink before he turned back around to walk on. She waited a few moments before speaking once more with Luella in a much quieter tone. Or will it be you, young one? Will what be me? To tame our Kevalon. Her gaze on him was fond. He has fought companionships many times in his life, but each time it has left him broken. I fear he will not let himself love again, like he did with his first wife and the children, knowing they too will die. Her eyes slid to Luella's face. And what of you, sweet girl? Is there someone who holds your affections? Luella nodded, a shy smile on her lips. Yes, though we did not part on the best of terms, which worries me. Xing linked her arms with Luella's. Love is a playful beast. It has no regard for who it tingles with and who may get hurt in the process. Try not to worry, Ayan. Instead, tell me of Siobhan's daughter. I still very much look forward to meeting her. There are two daughters, actually. Ashlyn is the eldest, newly wed and brown. She's a great leader, and her people look up to her and trust her implicitly. She has a bit of a temper. A bit? Cavlon had stopped ahead, seeing the woman trailing. He caught the last part of the conversation and smirked. She's got a temper and a tongue on her as well. Ah, perhaps she takes more after her father. Without a doubt. Siobhan was much more of a lady than Ashlyn. Canade, though, oh, she reminds me a lot of Siobhan. Luella blinked, connections being made in her head. Is that why you kept looking at her the way you did? What are you talking about? Canade, you looked at her like you knew her. You are going to understand. When we have strong connections with someone, they do not diminish through time. Seeing them again, or even someone who looks or acts like them, can be unsettling. Misuzu swung from a nearby tree, shifting in midair to her human form, and landing in a crouch in the gap between Cavalon and the women. She stood and flung her long hair over her shoulder, a wide grin on her face. I like it here. Have you found anything out? Baju is ahead, maybe a mile at most. If we follow the sounds of the waterfall, we'll find him. He lives behind it. <laughs> Wait, the elemental dragon of fire lives behind a waterfall. He's never been the most sensible of us. In the very heart of the wilderness and the jungle all around them was a lagoon that was hidden from the rest of the world. Preceding its discovery was the fierce and beating sound of water cascading over a tall cliff. The trees buffered the sound well, keeping it in a protective circle from the rest of the jungle. Breaking through the tree line, the four travelers found themselves up on a high path overlooking the lagoon. Even as high as they were, they were nowhere near the top of the cliff where the waterfall started spilling down. This secret place looked like it was forgotten by the rest of the world, untouched by conflict or trouble. He's behind that? That's what I was told. The fire dragon lives behind the waterfall 
but the locals say they haven't seen him for a long time. Mei Xing and Cavalon looked at each other. The Badarian frowned. Yeah, with our luck, we'll just find a pile of bones and a note. Despite the girlish giggle from <laughs> Mei Xing, Luela's eyes widened. Only when Mei Xing shook her head did she realize he had been joking. Cavalon chuckled as he started down the narrow path that would eventually take them to the rocky cliff wall. The path was steep and unused, making it so narrow that they had to walk in single file. Stones rolled at their feet, rushing to beat them down into the lagoon. It wasn't easy to walk over the rough path, and Cavalon went slowly so he could help the women when they needed it. At the bottom, a stone walk waited for them. It was clearly man-made and hugged the cliff wall as it led behind the tumbling waters. When the path ended three feet above the wall, Cavalon jumped down, then turned to help the others. When they were standing as a group once more, Luela's eyes ran up the length of the towering cliff. There was power in the gravity pulling at the water, and she did not enjoy the idea of having to go behind it. Even though it appeared the water fell away from the wall enough so as to let the stone walkway disappear behind, the thought still made her uneasy. Mother. Everyone looked at Misuzu, who was staring out toward the middle of the lagoon. Suddenly, there were bubbles, like someone was breathing just beneath the surface. As though one being, both Misuzu and Cavalon stepped in front of the others, prepared to protect and attack if necessary. Cavalon drew his sword as Misuzu knocked an arrow in her bow. The bubbles got bigger as the thing began to surface. Surfacing like a mermaid from the depths was not the monster they were prepared to face, but a woman. Her back was to them, creamy bare skin covered by long red hair. She turned her head slowly, a wild animal well aware of being watched. Is that any way to treat an old friend? Cavalon slowly lowered his sword, his free hand going out to lower Misuzu's arm. His expression was one of utter confusion. Really? Cavalon, still traveling with the harem, I see. She grinned. Reaching up, she pulled her long hair over one shoulder, showing even more skin. Come to collect me to add me to your numbers. His smile was slow and lazy. <laughs> In your dreams, precious. How about getting out of the water and putting some clothes on so we can chat? Neely sighed, clearly not in favor of the request. She sank under the water and swam over to them. When she surfaced, she folded her arms atop the wall and rested her chin on top of them. She had eyes as green as the emeralds and freckles all over her face, neck, and arms. As though realizing Cavlon was not the only one present, she took in the other faces. Her gaze was cold as it swept across Luela, but recognition gave her warmth when she noticed Mei Xing, and who could only have been Mei Xing's daughter. Mei! Neely started to pull herself out of the water, but Cavlon stopped her with a hand. Hold on. He pulled his cloak from his pack 
and handed it to Neely, who frowned up at him but took it anyway. He turned his back so she could pull herself up and wrap herself in the cloak. Good. She shrugged under the heavy fabric fully covered now. That would be debatable. As Cavalon was turning back around, Neely was throwing her arms around Meishane. It's been ages, sister. How are you? Stepping back, she looked at Masuzu before Meixing had a chance to answer. You look just like your mother. My daughter, Mizuzu. Masuzu bowed ceremoniously. It is my pleasure. I don't even get a hello. Neely's deep red lips spread into a sweet smile that didn't reach her eyes. She kissed his cheek and said, Hello, Cavlon. There. All better now? Much. This is Luella. Is she with you? Neely raised an eyebrow, looking Luella over a little more acutely than she had to begin with. It was surprising to feel self-conscious, but Luella couldn't deny that it was exactly how she felt as the redhead ran her gaze up and down her body. Still, she held her chin high. We are all together. Really? Neely's saccharine smile quickly disappeared when she spotted the hilt of a familiar sword strapped to Luela's back. Her movement was too fast for Luela to stop her, and before she knew it, Neely had Luela's own sword pointed at her. Where did you get this? Easy. Cavalog moved to take the sword back, but Neely turned it toward him. With a sigh that was more like a growl, he stepped back and held up his hands defensively. I gave it to her. What? You gave her Mortog's sword? It's not yours to give, Sandrat. I demand answers. Now! I usually feel more conversational when I don't have something sharp pointed at my throat. His stance was as non-threatening as possible. And perhaps... That was why Neely didn't expect his big hand to shoot out and grab her by the wrist. Twisting her arm, she was forced to pivot. Though she was fast, she was no match for Cavalon's strength. The way her wrist was twisted made it so she had to turn her back to Cavalon to untwist it. He used this to his advantage, sneaking his free arm around her waist and holding her securely, pressing the sword she was still holding up against her own neck with force. Now, are you going to play nice, or do I need to throw you back into the water to cool off for a bit? Why does she have the sword? She has the sword because Mortog told me to give it to her should anything happen to him. She's his daughter. He felt her slacken in his grip, but did not release her just yet. I'm going to let go of you. And you're going to let go of the sword. Deal? His hand moved to the hilt of the sword as she nodded, and they both let go at the same time. Spinning, Neely trained her eyes on Luela once more. This time, when she studied the younger girl, it was apparent she was trying to find something of her old friend in the new face. You'll have his color in. She admitted, sounding pained and watching as Cavalon carefully resheathed the sword. Moving her gaze to Cavalon, Neely wrapped her arms around herself. What happened to him? Ambushed and killed. 
I'm sorry you had to find out this way. Do you know about Shivan? I... I think we all knew... Yeah, except for me. What are you doing here? Where's Badru? Off to see the birth of his newest grandchild. Left three days ago, and I'm not certain when he'll be returning. She was reserved now, irritated without hope of being anything else for the time being. Come inside. You must be starving. Though her offer was hospitable, her tone and her expression were anything but. Still, the suggestion of food had all of them ignoring her attitude. They followed as she walked the stone wall and disappeared behind the rushing waters. Make yourselves at home. Her voice echoed in the darkness, torches lining the walls lit with sapphire and gold flames, letting everyone see exactly what type of place they were walking into. Badru had made a home out of the hidden cave. They were standing in the entryway, a long hallway that led to a wooden door on the other end, and opened up into a spacious sitting room. Off of that was a kitchen, and several more doors leading to new rooms. The stone floor was broken up in places, covered in mats similar to the tatami mats Mei Xing was familiar with. The furniture was all carved out of rich maple-colored wood. Sconces of black iron held torches and candles. It seemed impersonal. Neely waved a hand to the sitting room but said nothing as she opened one of the doors and closed it behind herself. With the four of them left standing there, Cavalon frowned and went to the kitchen. It's hard to believe, but Drew lives here. It feels too cold. Yeah, maybe he's not home a lot. Cavalon brought some bread out to the table before going back for more. Misuzu hopped over the back of one of the wooden couches and settled herself onto it reaching to tear a hunk of bread from the loaf. What do you do now? You said there isn't much time, right? Right. Now Cavalon had cheese, honey, figs, and dried meat. I don't know. Babies aren't exactly the most predictable things in the world. He turned back for the kitchen one more time, looking at Luela as he passed her. Eat. And pay no mind to Neely. She'll warm up eventually. Luella nodded, giving him a thankful smile. With a pitcher of warm water and enough goblets in hand, Cavalon finally sat down to eat as well. Ugh, we may have to go back without him. Samhain is only a few days away. Ashland must be very anxious. We must get to Sinners as soon as possible. We should spend the night here and set out before daybreak tomorrow. That way, it'll give Bardru more time to show up, give us a chance to get some rest, and still be back in time to be briefed on what's going on and where we need to position ourselves. Masuzu grinned as she chewed her figs. I've never been to war before. I'm excited. <laughs> you won't be so excited when you're in it. I have known to fight since I was a child but had never been able to put my skills to a real test. Yeah, you'll get the opportunity soon enough. He looked up as the door opened and Neely rejoined them. She wore a long, simple gown of green that left her shoulders exposed and had gold-stitched leaves around the hem. 
Her long red hair was pulled back just at the sides, and she looked more like royalty, even in the simple gown, than a water nymph. She picked up some of the cheese and figs. So tell me, what brings this hunting party out for our brother? Luela looked at her, not at all surprised she chose not to sit with the rest of them but to stand and look down at them. She looked to Cavalon in hopes he would answer. He inhaled and turned toward Neely. You first. I asked you why you were here and you didn't even acknowledge the question. I needed a holiday. Are you from Ebeus? A good friend of mine has an accent almost like yours, and that's where he was born. Neely looked at her, a cross between irritation and careful evaluation on her face. I born and raised. How long ago did you leave, if you don't mind my asking? Deciding to sit now, Neely pursed her lips. And what if I do mind? Cavlon looked at the ceiling in exasperation. Will you just answer the question and stop being such an unwelcoming wench? Neely looked daggers at him. I left a little over three weeks ago. Well, then you must know of what draws closer to the Isles, even at this very minute. Of course I do. Neely finished her small snack and crossed her arms. Why do you think I left? Luela was unable to comprehend the meaning behind her words for the quickest second. You... you knew war was coming and you left? It's not my battle. But you are an elemental. How can you leave your people when death is such a strong possibility? Neely waved a dismissive hand. If I concerned myself with every skirmish that involved a base or my kin, I would be in battle every day of my life. Something tells me that you know this is no ordinary fight. Why would it matter? It has nothing to do with me. Looking at Mei Xing, she added, Nothing to do with you or your daughter. And you, Cavalon, you had the least to gain from going into this war. How can you say that? We fight to protect the Isles and Siobhan's daughter. Her daughter, Cavalon, not yours. The Baudarian rose, frustration and anger in his eyes. Neely, they're after us. All of us elementals. Even if they weren't, Ashlyn is one of us. It's our duty to protect her. Duty? And what makes it our duty? She brought this war upon herself. She is a child, Cavalon. A child! And as with any child, she should learn that there are serious and sometimes deadly consequences for her actions. If you think this is about the death of one man, you are Deeply mistaken. Laidley isn't only after Ashlyn. She may have been the catalyst to this whole thing, but... Both of you, stop! Luella rose, hands lifted, as if keeping Neely and Cavalon from attacking each other. The torchlight had been spitting and jumping, growing in reaction to the flaring tempers of two powerful elementals. With Luella's sharp command, they sputtered and shrank back to a calm and normal size. Nothing will be accomplished by screaming at each other. Both of you, please sit. For a moment, it looked as though neither of them would move. Finally, Mei Xing reached up to gently tug Neely's hand, and the redhead sat with obvious reluctance. 
Turning imploring eyes to Cavalon, Luela silently begged him to comply. He eventually conceded and sat. Turning to Neely, her gaze hardened. Laidly, the king leading the attack against the Isles, is my brother. Half-brother. Details are probably required in order for you to have a better understanding, but at the moment I do not like you well enough to feel that you deserve them. His reason for war is the death of his father, yes, but there is so much more to it than that. He seeks to destroy what he does not understand and cannot control. The Isles. The nations of the ancients are bonding together and in numbers could defeat him. He will soon realize this, if he is not already, and seek to destroy these people, one tribe at a time. Once they have been defeated, he will then hunt the elementals, because conquering them would mean he is unstoppable. Being unstoppable and untouchable would make him better than his father. Killing the elementals would make him immortal because no one would ever forget his name. And immortality is his goal, whether he chooses to admit it or not. If you think that this has nothing to do with you, perhaps you should be teaching your eldest offspring what it is they will inherit when you die because the rest of us will not lie down and simply let ourselves be slain and the mission of our kindred be destroyed. Fight with us or die alone. Neely stared at her, seething. A hard silence crept into the room that let Luella know the older woman would not be answering her any time soon. Shaking her head, all Luella could do was sigh. She turned and walked out of the room, needing the fresh air outside to cool what started to burn within her. No one dared speak or move for the longest time. Eventually, Neely's eyes slid to the floor, and she stood again. You're welcome to say the night if you wish. You'll need your strength to make the fight back. Neely. I expect you to be gone when I wake in the morning. There was nothing left for her to say so she went to her room and closed the door behind her. Masuzu looked between Cavalon and her mother. What do we do now? Sensing the worry in her daughter, Mei Xing touched a hand to Masuzu's cheek. Fear not, Ayan. We pray Badru decides to show up before we leave. I was hoping if I made her angry enough, she'd shift and he'd come home. She knew that. She was controlling herself. Neely would not fight, and only wishes to protect Badru from doing the same. She doesn't protect him by taking the choice away from him. For a water dragon, you'd think she'd have a cooler temper. Perhaps I may be able to speak with her. Setting her meal aside, Meixing looked to the closed door through which Neely had disappeared, then to Cavalon. You know how sensitive she can be. <laughs> It's not how I would put it. Go ahead and try. Maybe you can get through to her. With a nod, Meixing rose and went to Neely's door, her knuckles rapping lightly on the old wood. Neely? May we speak privately? You and I? There was no response for a moment, but then the sound of a lock being turned gave her unspoken permission to enter. Without so much as looking back at Cavalon and her daughter, Meixing entered the room and closed the door quietly behind herself. The room was as sparsely decorated as the main area of the cave, 
though small touches told her this was definitely Baudru's home. He had colorful pots on top of tables and shelves, books closed and stacked or open to different scientific methods and experiments. A sweet smile lit Mei Xing's face as she ran her fingertips over the pages of one such book. He has always been the knowledge seeker of our family. Turning her head, she looked over at the large bed Neely sat upon and the colorful patterned blanket she was idly playing with. I have always admired his love of learning. But not with his lack of housekeeping. Neely's lips twitched upward in a slight smile. Cluttered mind, cluttered home. Ah, but his mind has always been clear and organized, simply in a manner no one else understands. The two women shared a quiet laugh, and whatever tension had been within the cave seemed to dissipate. Meixing moved to the bed and sat as well, touching Neely's face in a motherly way. You have changed so much. I can no longer say you are my little one. You are taller than I am. Neely looked down, her smile brightening. It hardly seems fair you've aged so little, and I feel as though I've turned into an old woman. Not an old woman, but one who has let the world harden her. Meixing dropped her hand to rest it atop of Neely's hands. Our gifts keeps our body from aging only so much. If we let the harshness of life burden us, it will be reflected in the way we appear. How is it that Kavlon looks so young, then? I've never known anyone more jaded and callous in my entire life. The question made Meixing giggle, <laughs> a sparkle in her eye. Perhaps he has a good moisturizer. This made them both laugh again, but while Neely's smile faded, Meixing lost none of her lightness. There is a younger I remember. Neely pulled her hand away, her jaw setting. Don't do that, May. What? Don't try to soften me with your sweetness and your warmth. It may work on everyone else, but it won't work on me. Meixing sighed quietly. We need you, Neely. No, you don't. Neely turned back to Mei Xing, her expression pained. What you need is to stay far away from this battle as you can. Go back to your homelands. Live a quiet and peaceful life. It has not been quiet or peaceful for a long time, I am afraid. I am hunted in my own country. Every day, gales and dragons are captured and slaughtered simply because of what they are. My daughter's own father doesn't even know what I am. What Mizuzu could someday become, because he hunts us as well. It is rare to find those sympathetic to the gales in my country, let alone one who will boldly take a stand for them. Meixing shook her head. It is my duty to fight for the future of all gales. It is my duty to fight for a future for my daughter that is free of fear, one where she will not have to hide who she is. Meixing's brows came together. Do you have a child? Neely's gaze fell, and she nodded. One. My first. Then you have a duty as well. Meixing took Neely's chin in her hand and made the younger woman look at her. You must fight to keep your child safe. I have done that from the very day she was born. Neely jerked her head free, anger in her eyes. She is more protected than you and I are, were, or ever have been. I have seen to it. Standing, Neely paced away from Mei Xing and crossed her arms. 
How dare you try to use my child against me? To guilt me into fighting a war I want nothing to do with. Neely, we need you. You need to leave. Neely grasped the door and opened it, not even bothering to look out at the others. I can't sleep with you here trying to make me feel things I don't want to feel. There was a sadness on Meixing's face as she stood, but her eyes didn't leave Neely's until she gave a polite bow. With grace and dignity, the older woman held her head high and left the room, not even flinching when the door was slammed shut behind her. <laughs>